Good morning. My name is Angela Henning, and I'm one of the pastors here at Emmaus. And if this is your first time here, we have some great coffee, very fresh, and we'd love to give it to our first-time visitors. We also have connection cards. You can fill them out. Just find out what's happening in the life of the church. We also have Bibles and note cards. If you need a Bible this morning, you can just put your hand up. We will get you a Bible or a note card. We're going to be spending some time in Galatians today. And if you want to start early, you can turn to page 810. We're going to, in the red Bibles. So this morning, I was wondering, do any of you have hobbies? Anyone have any hobbies that they want to share? Fly fishing. Fly fishing. I knew that about Tony. <laughs> I hear about it often. Um, <laughs> anyone else? Ice hockey. Ice hockey. Does that still... When was the last time you, you, you did that? So, okay, soon. Okay. Um, anyone else? Any other hobby? Bridget? Flowers. flowers. You want to elaborate a little bit more? I grow flowers. She grows flowers. <laughs> she makes beautiful bouquets of flowers. She makes wreaths of flowers. So, so recently I was at one of these events where um, they asked you, what's your hobby? And I was like, wait. Hobby. What does that mean? I have kids, and I have a lot, of, a lot of things going on. And it actually took me a moment to think, I used to have hobbies, but what are my hobbies? But I did come up with one. I garden. I vegetable garden. I don't do the flower gardening thing. But I garden, and I, it's one of those things I still have some space in my life to do. And recently, my husband built me a couple new raised garden beds, and I love them. It's given me more garden real estate to go with. So I'd been a, um, a summer gardener all this time, and I thought, okay, I'm going to expand my world. I'm going to start fall gardening. So I found this app, because I also love to plan things. And this app, you put the, the measurements of your garden in, in the dimensions, and it gives you exactly what your garden looks like. And then you plop a little plant in there, and it tells you how much room it's going to take, and it's awesome. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, there it is. So, but I have to tell you, the thing that I didn't know that this app would do was it tells me who's good neighbors and who are not good neighbors in my garden. So, for example, I was getting ready to plant my carrots and my parsnips, and I got these, like, lightning things because apparently they don't get along. Apparently, they don't help each other. Apparently, they don't like being next to each other. So, okay, that works. And then, but tomatoes and basil and lettuce, I plant those guys together, and I just get all these hearts. And I get all this love. And apparently, there's just a great little neighborhood when you get to pick your neighbors, you know? So, <laughs> it's awesome. I have all this productivity happening now, and my garden is, like, starting to sprout. And the thing is, I was in this season of planning my garden while Nate's talking about fellowship. And I started to realize that my neatly planned garden is not the metaphor for fellowship because that is not what the church looks like. It is not a well-ordered garden. It is not guaranteed productivity. We don't get to just plan ourselves only by the people who are like us or the people we like, right? It's kind of a mess. So... We're not going to use that metaphor. So, um, friends, this not ordered garden that we call fellowship is not always easy to be a part of. 
it's not always great to be in fellowship with people who don't think exactly like we do or don't do things the way we do. And we don't get to be manicured and nice. And the truth is there's a reason why we have to be told to be devoted to fellowship. Devotion requires loyalty. It's going to require us sticking it through. It requires energy. There's lots of times when I just don't want to do that. And it requires consistency. It's not a just quickly like drop in once in a while, but real deep fellowship requires these three things. It's not something that we take lightly or we just do when it's kind of convenient, but we have to prioritize fellowship. And staying devoted to one another is messy and it's difficult, and that's the part of the community that I want to talk about today. (laughs) So today, um, I wanted to share part of a letter. This letter was written by the Apostle Paul to the Galatians. We're going to look through a couple different parts of it. But in this letter... We see the Apostle Paul get pretty passionate. Some say he's a little angry. He's definitely fired up. You see, this letter to the Galatians is written to non-Jewish Christians who are being told that despite the fact that they, too, follow Jesus, but they're being told that they're not part of the family of God by the Jewish Christians because they have not submitted to the law of Moses. They haven't submitted to this law. And this gets the Apostle Paul mad, fired up. So um, he is preaching the truth that the Messiah, Jesus, changed everything. He tells this group of people that submitting to Jesus is what's allowing them to become like Jesus. And we're going to look at um, page 811 in our red Bibles. It's Galatians 2, 19 through 21. And at the beginning of this letter, Paul has this statement. He says, for through the law, I died to the law, so I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. You see there's even that exclamation part. Paul means this. This is what what makes us part of the family of God. And Paul needs these Gentile Christians to understand that they are no longer required to live under this law of Moses. The time has passed. The purpose of the law of Moses has been fulfilled, but they are living in a new reality because of Christ Jesus. It's the grace of God that has made them righteous. And in fact, Paul uses much of this letter to explain why they are part of the family of God. And that truth that was vital to these people from Galatia is vital for us today. We, before we can even go any further, we need to know and recognize that we are part of the family of God through the grace of God. Jesus' blood has made it possible for all of us to be part of the body of Christ. So after Paul explains this at the end of the letter, he talks about, what does this mean? How are they supposed to live if you've accepted the fact that in truth that you are part of the family of God? 
And it starts off with some directions. So in Galatians 6, 1, page 813 in the Red Bible, it says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. So right away, he's, he's saying, you know, sin should not be ignored. He wants them to know that the family of God, the goal is correction. The goal is restoration. It's not legalism. And then he also warns them. He doesn't want them to be caught up and become so judgmental, legalistic in the process that they're the ones who end up sinning. But then Paul goes a step further. He writes about something that I see is vital to real fellowship in the family of God. Galatians 6.2 says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. When the word burden is used in the Old Testament, it's literally talking about weights. It's talking about something that's heavy. So burdens will signify something that are heavy in our lives. And these burdens could be a number of things. It might be our vulnerability or our temptation to sin. This would make sense because we just read about those who had slipped up in sin and the restoration of them. Um, and at that time, at all times, temptation takes up all sorts of forms. There are seasons when the temptation is just to simply give up hope. Things have been hard. Nothing seems right. Of course, there's all sorts of temptations that could burden Paul, that Paul is talking about. Bearing burdens might be tied to our limitations. It could even be financial limitations. There's a lot of discussion on exactly what he's talking about. One of the early church fathers, a guy named Origen, said, By burdens, he means the needs of the body. So to the extent that anyone who is richer in resources, he is called to bear the poor person's burden and relieve poverty by his abundance. So it's another way that someone else is seeing burdens. But the truth is, the burdens that we face in this life are broad. They could be relational issues. They could be the financial issues that Origen talks about. It could be illness, indecision, emotional difficulties, grief, anxiety. I mean, I think we could start calling out things, and the list could go on and on. But the, the truth is that we have to deal with burdens, and we're not meant to carry them alone. And it is God's intentions that we help one another. So Paul is reminding them that even now, as they're living lives filled with the Spirit, there will continue to be hard things that they're going to have to face. Being a follower of Jesus does not allow us to escape burdens. One of the areas that we can fail in is when we refuse to let others know that we have burdens. I know at times I can attempt to be self-reliant, but that is not the way that God designed community. That's not the way God designed the church. God designed community as a way to support us when our burdens are heavy. When we're bearing another's burdens, we are supporting each other. We're sustaining each other. We are doing what it takes to fortify one another. We are taking care of one another. 
Now, this sounds noble and it sounds great when we talk about this in a very broad, nebulous way. It's like saying to my kids, it's good to help others and leave it at that vague level. And sometimes it, it does. It feels great when we've given money to organizations and people we're not directly involved with, and that's not bad. And it's something that actually this community has done from its start. It's healthy. But sometimes, a lot of times, when it gets a little di deeper and a little more difficult is when we're talking about bearing each other's burdens within our community. We've been talking about fellowship, and we've been doing it through this focus of home groups. We've been really encouraging you to sign up for home groups for weeks and weeks. And I want to tell you that one-time help is good, but it's so different when it's rooted in relationships. When it's about carrying the burdens of those who we are devoted to, those we are devoted to having fellowship with. Because the burdens that we bear in community, we may have to bear those for a long time. We may have to live in the spaces and share pain with others, not just a one time, but on a long-term basis as we continue to bear these burdens. Here's the thing we don't talk about as much, and this is when it gets really messy and really hard. It's one thing to see someone on a Sunday morning give that short, hi, and just quickly, how are you doing? But it's so different when we live at a level that really allows people to know you and for you to know them. It changes things. If you've ever been part of a long-term home group, you know. You see, when we're devoted to fellowship, it means committed to that group of people that are not exactly like you or sometimes nothing like you. Sometimes we deal with uncomfortable situations. Sometimes we're asked to shoulder the deep hurts and the real pain of people we love. It means to being devoted to these people regardless of the season of their life or ours. Intentional fellowship is not well planned. It's not that garden that I talked about. It never seems to bear fruit on my timeline. <laughs> it doesn't even look aesthetically pleasing at times. It's not always fun, and sometimes, I'll be honest, it doesn't even feel life-giving some days. But having authentic relations with people that make us uncomfortable, and it's not always safe either. Because when we have these authentic relationships, issues will be arise. We will have to address things because people have baggage. I have baggage. You have baggage. And doing life together is hard. And there's just nothing, there's no way around that. I read an essay a few years ago about this long-term home group. Um, the author talked about how she had formed this church, home church. And um, they, every week they shared meals together. And it was rich after years and years. But what fascinated me was when she talked about the beginnings, the genesis of this home group. She said at the beginning, we, when it came up to your week, you made the meal for the entire group. And she said people went all out. She said people brought out their best dishes, their best food recipes, and it was amazing. And it was delicious. And it was great. But time went on. And things got real. And sometimes meals were burned. And sometimes that dish, that recipe that you thought was going to be amazing 
was not. <laughs> so after years of year, years of doing this, it, this is when the connections were really made, though. This is when you really know someone. This is when you get there and there's a box of pizza on the table instead of whatever was supposed to happen that week. But after all these years, not only do these people know their likes, their dislikes, their food preferences, but they know one another at such a deeper level. They knew each other's struggles, and they were able to celebrate the victories. I always love that story because it reminds me about what's valuable. It wasn't the elaborate food, but it was getting to know one another. It was the investment in time and the investment in one another. Regular fellowship allows us to not only see people for who they are, but to, for them to see us as well. So as a recap, fellowship is messy, it's annoying, it's scary, it's exhausting, but it's so good too. And here Paul is telling us that in fellowship, one of the key aspects is we need to carry one another's burdens. This is part of it. So in the midst of the messiness of doing life with others, we are called to do it in such a deep way that we are also taking on not just our burdens, but their burdens. And this goes beyond just tolerating people, but being willing to lift heavy things so others can keep going on this journey. And then Paul says, that second part of Galatians 6.2, in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And when I read this, I thought this was a little bit interesting because I'd read the beginning of Galatians and Paul spends so much time freeing people from the law of Moses. I mean, that's his focus here. He's, and now, at the end of this book, he comes back to the law. But the difference this time is it is the law of Christ. One of my favorite theologians, N.T. Wright, talks about the law of Christ. He calls the Messiah's law the law of love. He says it all comes down to this. It's simply about love. He says there's a vision that Paul has for this cooperative family and you see that the Apostle Paul, when he speaks, he almost always speaks in a corporate manner. He almost always speaks we. If one is suffering, we are all suffering. We seek to find out how one another is doing. We ask questions like, how is your spiritual journey? How can we help? How can we bear their burdens? How can we come alongside one another? And just in the chapter before this, in verse five, chapter 5, verse 14, he's already told them that the whole law is summed up in this single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It keeps coming back to love, a love that really sees our neighbors as ourselves, a love that really wants to carry one another's burdens. And these verses we read earlier in Galatians chapter 2, Come back to the Christ who lives in me. And it says, this one phrase says, he loved me and gave himself for me. And if we are really becoming like Christ, we have to love like Christ. Carrying, another, uh, carrying another's burdens can't be about obligation when we are really loving one another. Years ago, in the midst of a, a stressful time, I had a friend who was just dealing with some hard challenges and struggling with just felt like an enormous burden. It was a type that blew up so many areas of their life. 
And yet, as my dear friend dealt with the ramifications of this burden, I felt the burden. I felt the weight, and it wasn't just for a short time. I was shouldering the heaviness of his burden for over a year. And at one point, as I was meeting with my mentor, I was kind of a little bit puzzled, and I expressed to him how much it bothered me that I felt so continually burdened and affected by someone else's burden. It almost felt ridiculous that the weight of someone else's burdens affected me the way it did. And my mentor responded with this. He said, sometimes when burdens are so heavy, God disperses the weight. In this season, God knows how heavy this burden is, and he's allowing you the privilege to share some of the load. Still working through that. It felt so mysterious, but so true. That burden that God allowed me to share, it caused me to pray differently for my friend. It caused me to understand him differently. It caused me to grieve with him differently. And it's hard to neglect the burdens of another when they've also become your burden. Today, as we talk about carrying burdens, I'm going to share something that is happening in real time. This community carries a lot of burdens, but I don't usually share things like this, especially something that is actively happening. But I felt like what is happening now is a beautiful example of how the law of Christ is being fulfilled among our community. And I was given permission to share this story. Some of you may know Madeline Ochoa and her mom, Erica. For those who don't know Maddie, I'm going to share a little bit about the last 20 months. You see, in 2020, Maddie, who was just 20 years old then, developed a rare condition that caused blood clots to form on her brain. She had brain surgery to try to alleviate these painful clots. In the course of that, she lost almost all of her eyesight and is now legally blind. And despite having that surgery, her pain wasn't alleviated. She continues to deal with excruciating pain. It's been a long process, and it's still happening. There's many, many hospital visits. There's still not a lot of real answers on how to address the pain. It's an ongoing battle, and one that Maddie and Erica are in the middle of right now. Some weeks are unbelievably difficult. Maddie and Erica also happen to be part of a home group that I lead on Thursday nights. It's a diverse group, to say the least. We have people from 21 to 70-plus in our group. Everyone seems to have very diverse backgrounds and stories. And it's a group, at the same time, that's very honest. And there has been, in this group, developed a, just a deep level of trust. We share what our work weeks have looked like, and we share the good and the bad. And this group has prayed for Maddie. This group has shouldered the burdens week in and week out for a long time now. They have wept and they have hoped because Maddie's our family and she's loved. Recently, there was an especially difficult couple of weeks that involved back-to-back -back hospital stays lasting over a week. And if you've ever dealt with just really hard things in your life, you know that people will come up to you and ask you this question. And it's, they're trying to help you, but they'll say, 
how can we help you, right? But the truth is sometimes when things are so big and so heavy and you're so exhausted and you're so broken, or sometimes I'm just barely hanging on to hope that I don't even know how to respond to that question. I just don't. I'm just out of answers. But Maddie and her mom, they're known by their home group. And when they didn't have the answer to that question, they didn't need to answer it because their group knew their needs. And I'm just going to give you a real quick summary. There's even more, but a real quick summary of what that looked like in that really hard week. So Erica, the mom, was not able to leave the hospital, and her son Nick was starting to school, st- going to start school at a new school, and he needed supplies. And she didn't even have to communicate that to some people in our group. They're like, oh, Nick's starting to school. What backpack does he need? What other things does he need? And guess what? Those were delivered to Nick. Someone took the initiative to make homemade food at the house when DoorDash was just not going to cut it anymore for the poor family that's still at home. And they had food, homemade food for days. Um, there was a day when Maddie, um, I'm sorry, when Erica had to go back to work and someone needed to be at the hospital all day with Maddie. Several women volunteered to be with her. And these were women that Maddie knew, who she trusted and she loved, and that was vital. Some of us have been in that hospital room and sung songs of encouragement with Maddie as she pushed through pain. Someone went out and bought clean clothes and toiletries when an overnight visit turned into a week-long stay at the hospital. The list goes on. There was smoothies dropped off. There was encouraging notes and texts. And there was even a welcome home box when they finally got to get back to their own home after this episode. Sisters and brothers, it is good that we help people we don't know. We often reach out to help financially those outside of our area, and we need to keep doing that. But there is something so beautiful when the family of God carries the burden together. When we love those in our community so well, it's what we do. It's how we were designed. We know the needs of one another when we know one another. The church, the small group, the community, they need to be places where your burdens are our burdens. This story that's unfolding in our community right now is not simply about Maddie. It's a family story it's our family's story. And there is something mysterious about the way that God enables us to stand with one another, the way he places heavy things on our hearts. It's mysterious and it's sacred, but it's also transformative for every member of the family. Paul says earlier in this letter, he talks about dying. And the more we die to ourselves, these burdens and the love we have only deepen, and we become more like that Messiah. We become a little bit more like the one who welcomed us into this family, the one who calls us sons and daughters. Last week, Nate taught about rites of passage. And a lot of times we hear some follow-up to these these teachings. And some of you shared that 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 teaching caused a lot of things to rise up in your own hearts. Some people talked about the brokenness of their own parenting. Some of you talked about the brokenness of your own childhood. There were things in your story that you're grieving, and there are heavy burdens that are on your heart. And while you can always reach out to any of the pastors at this church, 
my hope and my prayer is that you become so rooted in this community that there are people during the week that you are sharing your burdens with. There are people during the week that you are sharing your journey with. You need to know you're not alone, and this is one of the ways we do this, is through deep, trusted fellowship. Who are you sharing your burdens with? Whose burdens are you carrying, and who are carrying yours? It's vital that you have a place to work through the things that God reveals in your heart. It's good to be known by others and scary. But we, to be able to have these honest conversations and to grow, we need this. It is my prayer that each member of this community is connected to others and can share burdens. Home groups are one way this happens, but there are others. Friends, we are created to be in community. The God who is love calls us to love and to be loved. Let's pray.